Welcome to Packet Pushes, the data networking podcast that looks so far into the future that digital Zoom just isn't good enough. Today, we are recording live from the Intel Developers Forum in San Francisco on a fine, balmy day. They've actually had some sun. I'm not too jet-lagged. With me, of course, is Mr. Ethan Banks, and we're doing a sponsored podcast on a surprising topic, 5G networks. Now, it's going to be a few years before 5G gets standardized, and it's also going to take a few more years before the service providers dig into their pockets and shake out some change and start getting that stuff into the towers. But what's clear to me is that the demand for 5G is already clear. 5G is not an if and a when, it's absolutely definitively going to happen, right? And it's just a question of what shape it's going to look at and which ones you're going to buy first. And it's going to be something that's going to evolve every period of time. So sure, 5G is more than just bandwidth. So there, there are at least three key areas where 5G might surprise you. And that's not just because it's about a faster bandwidth like, you know, when we went to 3G, that was designed to say voice mattered, but actually what data was, mm -hmm. data mattered more. When we went to 4G, mobile networking, it was about more bandwidth. You know, we tried to fit voice over LTE, with LTE is a 4G technology, but actually nobody cares. So I've started this podcast and I'm already wrong. Because, <laughs> so here's the thing, Greg. So yeah. 5G was in my brain, oh, it's just faster and it's going to be amazing because we're talking about speeds up to 1G. But in fact, that is one thing that's, that matters, yes. but there's all of this other technology too. That's it. So ah. joining us today is Carolyn Chan. Hi, Carolyn. Hello, boys. So what do you do when you're working for Intel? So I am part of the Intel data center group. And mm -hmm. the data center group, there is a, a division focused on network infrastructure. So we provide silicons and software to enable companies like Cisco, mm -hmm. Juniper, Ericsson, Nokia, Huawei, and so on and so forth. Uh, I my specialty is on the wireless side. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently uh, running the uh, strategy and product planning for our 5G infrastructure. Right. So we're not here to talk about 5G as a network functions virtualization exercise, although it is, right? There's a lot of yeah. network functions yeah. virtualization in 5G in the infrastructure part. Correct. What we want to talk about in 5G today is the consumer part. That okay. is, what do customers get from 5G? So the first one is, of course, bandwidth. Now, in terms of enterprises and service providers, you know, what do we do when we use that? If I can start to get, I've heard up to one gig out of 5G, is that right? One gig, and I actually have, depends on the bandwidth you get. Yeah. I've actually was in Korea early this year. They were demonstrating 17 gigabytes per second because they were able to aggregate a lot of right. bandwidth. So that's it, MIMO. It's a MIMO. It's and a multi-channel. Yeah. Multi-channel, multi-input, multiple yeah. output, 128 yeah. antennas coming out of the infrastructure. Imagine that. It's like a monster amount of data coming. Like today, if you mm. look, listen to our CEO, the, he was listing, you know, it's a, what is that called? The error of data flood. Yeah. Now that 17 gig was a proof of concept or something that we it had, might actually be It was a demonstration proof of concept. Yeah. It is highly hinged upon the amount of uh, spectrum that you're able to get, which is actually really interesting. I would like to explore a little bit more later on in our podcast. Yeah. And I think that's part of it as well. Although it's uh, one of the interesting things about speed that people forget is that when you clock something at one gig or 17 gig, and you'll be familiar with this concept of multi-channels in your enterprise wireless. So 802.11 standards now include MIMO, and we talk about two-channel and three-channel, and that's the ability to do 20 and 40 and 80 gig 
over the Wi-Fi, right? Exactly the same concepts apply here to 5G. If you can have a multi-channel device and if you've got access to all the channels, which you probably don't because you've got to share them with mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. um, so you've got this problem where faster data rates are very useful, but there's one part about faster data rates, which is if you can transfer data faster, then you leave the signal channel free for other devices to use it. Correct. Right. Much more efficient in terms of spectrum usage. Because mm-hmm. that, that just, you know, I've been in wireless for a long time. And one of the things uh, I graduated from UT Austin, Hook'em Horns, one of my professors said in RF class was, God doesn't make spectrums anymore. <laughs> you got to use what you got. But remember, this is a test. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You got to use what you got effe- effectively, efficiently, at the lowest cost possible, which really governs all everything about RF engineering. That's mm-hmm. what RF engineering is about, right? So that's what 5G makes it interesting to me as an engineering background is the availability of, of spectrums, different spectrums, and the mm. technology, the antenna technology to be able to use that spectrum, then the discussion for me in my current position is about how do I translate that into more business opportunities for the operators and for end users. That, that's what today we're talking about. Not yeah. just consumers like you and I, mm-hmm. but like uh, factories, enterprises, airlines, transportation, solution vendors. Think about that. You know, could, they, could they use that more than today? Today is all about mobile broadband. What about Internet of Things that needs to be connected? Yep. Well, the bandwidth will play into all of that because you can get people on the air and off the air faster if there's more bandwidth them to correct. play with, correct? Correct. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you don't hawk. Like somebody's trying to download. I don't yep. know how many people uh, watch. I, my kids watch Netflix all the time. Mm-hmm. And they watch on the TV. But they, a lot of times they watch on their wireless device. And that hog up a lot of bandwidth. And yeah. if they just download that and get off that, and someone else can actually use it for maybe Pokemon Go. <laughs> Another very useful money-making thing that parents just love Pokemon to see. Pokemon Go is a driver for bandwidth consumption for mobile networks. is just very scary. So I think one of the things... To, so the thing I want people to understand is that faster data rates also means that the channels are free. So you're saying the spectrum is better utilized. Yes. So what that actually means is more handsets. If you can transfer something at a gigabit per second and you're transferring, a, I don't know, a 200 kilobyte file, then you're unlocking that frequency to be reused by somebody else tens of milliseconds earlier yeah. at, you know, compared to yeah. where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. So in wireless terms, we call this duty cycle. The faster I can transfer That's the right. data, the faster I can That's lay it right. out. That's that right. means I can have more devices sharing the same amount of spectrum. Now, that's a concern uh, because if you're trying to have more handsets, sell more handsets to more people, then you want to have better use of the spectrum that you've got. In fact, the funny thing, I was, um, we were just having this uh, 5G discussion debate in mm. preparation for IDF. One of the things came up was that someone made a very good point. 5G is not just about handsets. No. A lot of it, like today, uh, I'll see you showing a drone. That's LTE connected drone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Imagine some uh, uh, the uh, drones carrying the uh, Intel 360 camera flying around on in a uh, uh, rugby match mm-hmm. or Olympic stadium. That I like kind of thing. I like to think of a drone driving around a corporate car park, counting how huh? many cars are in the corporate yeah. car park, yeah. and doing a security scan. Right? Why not have a, dr- a corporate drone flying around and then feeding data back to some sort of 
machine learning, artificial intelligence software and looking at patterns in the car park, telling you utilization data, telling you who's coming and going from the office or maybe looking for security threats. A security security you know, threat. Who's security walking threat, around? Yeah. Is somebody breaking into cars? I mean, that's a bit of a pipe dream. That's years away, but it's not impossible once you have drones. No, no. In fact, uh, I, I would say that it is here today. We have a reference design mm. uh, in, a, in partnership with a drone company that has investment in that, that uh, uni. We made a, uh, it's, it's, it's LTE technology, a mm. credit card size module that sits in there uh, in a, with a camera that can fly around and of a, in this particular case, it's yeah. a sports stadium. Yeah. But you could, the things you imagine, yeah. you, you talked about, could, could be done. Yeah. So we have reference design. You actually won the, uh, the best solution award in a solution summit mm -hmm. this year in, in China. And it's quite a cost size, you know, because there's a lot of weight yeah. limit, right? In a, in a drone, so we make it as light as possible. So that's this is LTE, but well, going for the five well, G, we've do just that. come from the keynote, right? Where yeah. Brian Krasanich was on stage talking about the new product announcement, yeah. you know, the Jewel. But the Curio in the robots, he's talking about like a uh, little finger, like but say about as long as your little finger, or mm -hmm. maybe your middle finger, about as long as your middle finger, mm -hmm. but as thin as like two or three millimeters thin. And that is a full-on visual processing engine Correct. with the APIs. Yeah. So you literally point the camera at something and it will automatically start to detect people or shapes or movement mm -hmm. and present all you've got to do with an API is start pulling it and saying there's a shape there. You don't actually have to do the processing yourself. The actual device, the camera device is actually doing that um, artificial reality or that shape detection or that mm. person detection and saying, oh, there's something moving there. And then you, you don't have to do that. That's all done for you in the hardware. So I have a question about uh, the 5G clients, if you will. The, uh, not the antennas, not the operators, but, uh, but the clients. If I got a handset that can do 5G and I can push all of that data, is there an unusual power requirement uh, in, in two ways? One would be battery utilization and the other would be CPU. How hard is it for me to actually signal at 5G data rates because now I'm signaling at something that's much less in my iPhone or Android handset. Well, we, we actually in, in have prototype in trial today that's going on in our campus up in Hillsborough. Uh, it was announced uh, that the Verizon has a 5G trial and Intel is a partner. And the CPE mm. devices today is going rapidly down. I, I mean, the, 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 it's, it's very simple. You have to be at the very low power day. Otherwise, you cannot even pass rules and regulation. Mm. You can't have a holding something that burn your hands. You just can't do that, right? Mm. So we, the trajectory we've seen is, yes, it will meet that because precisely of the ever decreasing processing power, like what you mentioned yeah. today, that little but, robot. So, so two things. Then we're not going to drain too much additional no. battery power no, just you to can't. signal no one, it. No one's going to use it otherwise. Yeah. The product's and not going to be fit for purpose if you start. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to drain the power, the Maybe you, you do have some higher power that would be like a CPE type of thing, mm. right? Rather than a handheld. If you got a handheld, I have to be able to hold it. Mm -hmm. It can be hot. Mm -hmm. It can be heavy. Mm. Yeah, I, I should not be carrying a big fan. And I'm going to be able to fill that that pipe. Yeah. I'm going to be able to get, if if signal is good, mm. I'm going to be able to get a one gig date rate All out right. of my handset. All right. With Absolutely. a similar experience Absolutely. with what I have a bit today. About that. Yeah. One of the things about 5G is that today you do unlicensed Wi-Fi in the 2.4 gig and the 5 gig spectrums. Mm -hmm. And there's some licensed spectrum around 2 gigahertz, up above the 3 gigahertz range. But what we're seeing with the 5G is they're actually talking about getting access to the 700 megahertz spectrum. Now, most people will know 700 megahertz as analog TV. 
right? That's where our old analog TV stations are. And oh, digital dividends. Some, di- yeah. yeah, different countries have different words for mm-hmm. it. But as they, most uh, like America and the UK are both con- deprecating the analog TV network. Right, right. Because with a digital signal, you can use a fraction of that spectrum right. and get the television out because we the way it works. So all that frequency is now unavailable. The good thing about 700 megahertz is it goes for miles. It goes through buildings. It goes through people. Nothing stops it from, you know, your television signal works everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what if you could get a, a, a Wi-Fi signal or a mobile phone signal that actually starts to go through those things? And the reason we don't today is because we've only got spectrum that's in the higher frequencies. The higher the frequency, the less the penetration. Megahertz doesn't go through much of anything. No, no. no. Megahertz... Yeah. So we have this lower spectrum. Now, this lower spectrum is going to be used for low bandwidth applications. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. And then, so, okay, so, so there's actually two streams if you think mm. about it. You had a seven, 700 megahertz, the, the digital dividends that, that you mentioned. On the other hand, there's also the higher frequency spectrum, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, the, 20, the, the 28, the 39 that's mm-hmm. been talked about. Yeah, 60, 60 gigahertz. Gig stuff, yeah. So you're right. Um, Shannon's law said that the penetration is going to be short, the distance short, but they got tons and tons of bandwidth. Mm. You use it for different purpose. Fixed yeah. wireless. People always talk about, oh, pull fiber. I don't know. Did you guys hear yesterday that Google announced they're going to pull back on their fiber plan? Yep. Because it's expensive. So both Verizon and AT&T has an announced plan to do fixed wireless. Mm-hmm. Yesterday in, in, in this uh, panel that I host about 5G, how to make money, that is a very cost, you know, it is a cost-effective way, fixed wireless. So fix, am I using that just for backhaul or am I using that to talk to endpoints as well? A both. Over line both. of sight. Yeah, and both. then if, if line of sight then to an endpoint, what kind of distance do I get out of 29, 30-odd, 60 gigahertz? So, so here, here's the thing. Um, if you guys pay attention to the F8 uh, conference mm-hmm. two, a month, two months ago. Yep, Facebook's F8. Facebook, right? Yep. When, when Mark Zuckerberg announces a Terragraph project, so Terragraph is using 60 gigahertz for, essentially it's a mesh network. Yeah, it's a mesh, yeah. Like if you just do point to point, yeah. Rain, fall, a bus drive across, you lost signal, but yeah, they use yeah. mesh. Mm-hmm. You know, mesh has some bad connotation in my days when I first started, people were like, oh, mesh doesn't work. So, mm-hmm. But technology has improved. The scheduling algorithm has improved. Well, the software mm-hmm. that drives power. the signal processing. And the yeah. processing, don't forget. You, yep. It's about real-time rescheduling, recalculation of the path. Mm. In 10 years ago, what CPU do you have? Now, look at the CPU we have. So they were able to do, to do that, to, to do the yep. really good mesh network that can drive in the hundreds of meters. Usually, this kind mm. of distance is like, we're talking about meters. But so, they, I mean, through the, mesh, they can relay that. You mm. know, two or three relay points. I, I'm, I'm reading, obviously, from, from the distance, announcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I'm reading from the announcement, not that I'm, I'm part of developer, but I'm just thinking, you are looking at the low end, you talk about the low, low end spectrum, long, mm. long distance. Yep. Same time, you go, the higher you go, the broader you went. If I remember my uh, en- engineering class right, the amount of spectrum is roughly around 5% of the frequency. Somebody can do the math on me. I think I yeah. recently did that. I think that's still right. Five is probably the max. It's somewhere mm. between three and five. So if you look at 39 gigahertz, you do the math, and the spectrum is the it's bandwidth. Huge. Yeah. It's huge. Mm. You think about um, there are IoT, like mission-critical IoT. Mm. You need a burst of data, but a, 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 lot, a lot of bursts of data, like, like autonomous driving, self-driving car. Mm. Smart home, you probably don't need that. 
Yeah. But we need all kinds of spectrum. We need a different kind yeah. of bandwidth in order to make the different use cases work. And this goes back to that slide, Greg, that mm. was up there. I think you actually took a picture of it that mm -hmm. showed the different amounts of data that are expected to be coming off of different <laughs> okay, devices yeah. by 2020. Right. The, the yeah. flood of data. Point, they're saying, but uh, Intel's, the slide during the keynote that Intel put up said, average internet user will use 1.5 gigabytes of traffic per day. A smart hospital will use 3,000 gigabytes or 3 terabytes per day. These are bytes, not bits. Um, an autonomous automobile will use 4,000 gigabytes per day each car. Oh, my God. Right? Airplane data, 40,000 gigabytes or 40 terabytes per day. And a smart factory, and this is where we come, this question I want to get to, is a million gigabytes per day of data moving around. And then we had the chairman and CEO of GE came on, and yep. he was yeah. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I have 15,000 technicians out there. Yeah. I want them to automate and to be yeah. able to see everything. Yeah, and he really actually, for the first time, uh, the CEO of a big company has actually convinced me they get technology. Was watching the uh, Emelt, Jeff Emelt from GE on stage, mm -hmm. was actually very convincing that technology was something that he. You well, know, because is, he's the one who's writing the check. You know, most CEOs have like little yeah. gum flapping noises and then the word technology comes out. And I was go, worried at first when he made that crack about the diesel locomotive and do you want to see some real technology? And he said, yeah, 500 sensors on a diesel locomotive yeah. Yeah, today and it's going to get better, he said. So that was very interesting. Yeah, I, he always, uh, I always listen when the guy who writes the check talks. The guy that <laughs> makes the stuff. They can be just BSing. But yeah. if he's willing to pay for it, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. That's right. mm. I so, pay attention. So let, let's talk a little bit. I want to come back to the spectrum thing. So first of all, what we're seeing is an increase in spectrum. We're seeing the 700 megahertz. My understanding is the 700 megahertz will be used for low-powered applications. So we've seen while we do the NB-IoT, which is this very low-powered, low-bandwidth, yeah. but runs on a battery for a decade. For decades, right. yeah. And I think that's going to be more... And, and need long-range, long-range, right? Underground, yes. underground park, car park type of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I sort of figure that that's where we're going to see it. Now, that point becomes, at this point, the network stops being about people to people. So all of our networking today over 3G people is to people. people to people or right. people to cloud. Or whatever, but still, it's personal computing. I pick up my iPhone, I get Twitter, or some people even use Facebook, you know. Um, that's person personal computing but what we're going to see is this rise of the sensors and actually today was actually this that keynote really rammed it home to me yeah. you know those this idea of you know you put a sensor in a door you just screw it to the door with a battery in it and you'll never need to touch it for 10 years and you walk up to it with some sort of bluetooth to configure it and then it's done and every time the door opens you're going to get a click it's going to connect to the 5g network and off it goes not a lot of data not a lot of data so low the uh, 700 megahertz spectrum fits mm -hmm. But again, the low power requirement, because you want to put it there, yep. and I think, as you said, a battery, a yep. little coin battery that lets the thing run for 10 years. That's right. Yeah. That's, that scares me and excites me at the same time. That um, scares that... you because we're too old. Yes. Our kids <laughs> will not be scared. <laughs> <laughs> but this machine-to-machine -machine revolution is something that I've had seen so much marketing at me about it, but no one's ever mm -hmm. been able to explain it. But when I started to realize that, you know, at, at the lower frequency, 700 megahertz, mm -hmm. we can't get a lot of data down that pipe. But there are applications that are, don't need like a lot of data. Use. Exactly, right. exactly. And Very much so. So that's correct? Is that the right assumption? Yeah, yes, yep. it is. It is. <clears throat> the, way, um, the way I look at 5G, like I was telling uh, my management and my team is that you don't look at it as a uh, people to people. Look at it as a way of uh, 
really break out into the verticals. In fact, we uh, made a uh, one one slide that's showing today's network is a multi-purpose consumer-driven network. In other words, if you think about AT&T Verizon, right, mm. they build a network for you and I, for for uh, consumers. They have to fit for everybody's, most people's use cases. But think about tomorrow, uh, 2023, let's just say, you have all this availability spectrum. You have all. The, you have a network that's flexible enough to handle mobile broadband, massively connected uh, net, uh, internet, mm. or a mission critical. So, also, then I would like to imagine that there are some purposely built vertical private network mm-hmm. for an enterprise. I would not be uh, surprised if. Uh, 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 someone, an airline, they just say American Airlines because I live out of Dallas. Yeah. And they can build their own private network that suits their purpose, that sits on uh, maybe on a different spectrum or the MVNO. Why couldn't they uh, build a network that runs for their pilots, for their me- the mechanics? The day, they could build a 5G network at airports. At for airports and right? their, their maintenance facilities, their, their headquarters. Main, yep. That's for a a specific purpose, not for you and I, not for our mobile broadband browsing. It's just for their own uh, enterprise, very uh, focused. And then maybe the underlying uh, operators become, offer some infrastructure as a a service. So, Spectrum. So, so one of the first things... Let's, let's just back up and say we talked about very, a much wider spectrum range. Mm-hmm. We're getting much further down the spectrum, down to 700 megahertz, which mm-hmm. means we get less bandwidth but longer, longer range. Longer, longer range. Mm-hmm. So there we expect... Now, now let's talk a little bit about standards because this sort of leads into that. Standards are still in development. Right. They're, nothing's locked down, right. but there's a lot of push behind 5G. Obviously, Intel's putting resources like your your division and your mm-hmm. work into that sort of thing because there's distinct benefits. Correct. And so is our, our, our sister division from the, the, the device side, mm. from the uh, Internet of Things side. It's, it's, Everybody is putting in because we see the demand and we see the opportunity mm-hmm. to, uh, to us as an inflection point. Yeah. So you don't think the standards are just going to stop and everybody's going to walk away? There doesn't seem to be any signs to that. So we, we are seeing people forming the special interest group to start putting some stakes in the ground, doing some early prototyping and early trials. Uh, we ourselves, uh, our team is doing prototyping, essentially taking um, off-the-shelf servers and mm. putting some, uh, we, it's, it's, it's common knowledge that Intel yeah. acquire Altera. So FPGA is very handy before the standard lost down. You yeah. know, standard might not lock down for the two thousand. It's still a couple of years away. A couple of years away, 2018-19 timeframe. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, so no one's going to make any hard and fast ASIC decisions. Those mm. cost money. So people tend to, at the early stage of uh, technology, use um, FPGA yeah. programming. Mm-hmm. So between CPU and FPGA, it's very handy. So we already actually will be demonstrating some significant um, uh, progress right. by the end of this year in Globecom and then next year So uh, you're committing Congress. finances and yeah. project oh, uh, resources into... We actually mm-hmm. got, we got spun off. Now we're called the 5G infrastructure. Okay, right. Yeah. So and the, the industry is united here um, as far as what the standards are going to look. Everybody's working together. And you mentioned some special interest groups, but not in a fragmentary... No, no, no. We're going to go do our own no. thing. Everyone's it's just in simply agreement. Early on- prototyping, you know, somebody had to put the money down and say, hey... 
this is what could be, right? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, everybody's just waiting for everybody else to. But to Intel's happen. interest is as much in driving sales of other things, more CPUs for edge devices, cameras, a- IoT, probes, IoT. Remember, IoT we've been embedded computing mm. for a long, long time. Right. So uh, that's that's there's a reason why the GE chairman was on stage with us because mm. we have a long-standing relationship with GE. In in their in we are powering a lot of the machines. Mm. Yeah. A couple of things too. Also, when you have this high frequency bandwidth, you can not only because you've got the high speed, mm-hmm. because you can use a lot more bandwidth to transfer Correct. data down, and you you spread the band, stuff that you want over a bigger piece of spectrum. But that means you can have a lot more devices. That's especially useful in high density cities. So I know that five G is very strongly being pushed by Korea and Japan mm-hmm. because everybody there lives in high rises. And the problem with 3G is that at very high densities, it tends to struggle. Yeah. You can't build very small cell sizes. Right. The other thing about small cells is that is there a possibility that, you know, we already touched on this with American Airlines, but what about ordinary enterprises? Could they start building 5G as a replacement for their Wi-Fi? Is that practical or is it going to be public service all the time? No, we – so no one knows what the future holds, but we, we branch forward predict – that it could be uh, maybe replace some of the wireline. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, some of that wi- spectrum's unlicensed. So. Some of the spectrum's unlicensed, like you said, 3.5, at all lightly licensed. Uh, you heard of the spectrum called CBRS, Citizen Band Radio System? Yeah. You know, Breaker, one, nine. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Greg is dating himself. <laughs> I am, I'm not going to comment on that. But, Come on uh, back, we got ourselves a gold boy. <laughs> so, okay, you're distracting me. <laughs> so, so the CP is the CPR spectrum. If it's uh, get approved and done right, so it means a lot of people. Uh, um, I'm just mentioning American Airlines because I fly American Airlines a lot. They could potentially get their own spectrum and yep. run their own private network. Sure. So, so it really democratize the game of. Uh, a wireless communication. And now Wi-Fi, I think Wi-Fi will be here for a long, long time. And no, Wi-Fi is not going anywhere. I, I, I don't think that will be the case. I think it will be supplemented. Mm-hmm. Uh, is widely known in a really dense uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi doesn't work as well, yeah. prone to interference. I know the Wi-Fi community is trying to improve that. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, when you have all these varieties of uh, license spectrum coming uh, or lightly licensed spectrum coming available, LTLAA, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things could potentially supplement. And so basically what that means is that there will be different technology, different spectrums enable a much more, I also look at the cost, yeah. cost-effective way. No one's going to connect your doorbell to the network if it costs them a lot of money. Yeah. Just not right. gonna, ain't well, going to happen, you're not right? Gonna, you're not going to have a, no. a, an, M, a, a, an LT, a 5G-connected doorbell if it, if it costs sensor, a lot of money. If it costs you $200 a year to no, keep it exactly, connected to the network. It's exactly. got to be pennies. Yeah, it if has to be very reasonable. Yeah. So people, both ends have to make money. Consumer might be willing to pay, uh, you know, uh, cost-effective way of connecting. Both of the device side mm. and the network side. And Spectrum has a large percentage of it. Spectrum mm. traditionally costs a lot of money, billions, billions of dollars. What about small cells? So we saw a lot of stuff around 3G about there was a push about four or five years ago to do small cells and this idea that they couldn't build enough base stations. Mm-hmm. Remember people were pushing back against base stations and we sort of worked around that. We've come up with better antenna designs and tunable antennas and, you know, those types of things which allowed us to change you know, optimize the frequency and push it in a given direction with more sensitivity without having to run new things. I would think that small cells has got to be part of the 5G standard. Absolutely. Mm. We, we, we believe 
uh, small cell is uh, has a critical role to play. Mm. The form factor of small cell might might be a little different. Uh, today, the small cells issue is that um, it's it's difficult to get deployed. Mm. The cost because you need backhaul, you need yep. power. Yep. Many places where you want to deploy small cell does not have bad power, does not have backhaul. Mm-hmm. But things are really improving. So with um, between the Google Fiber, between fixed wireless, I think and the a lot of stuff, it, we talked mesh about the mesh stuff. If you can put a small available. cell and then create yeah. a mesh, and that small cell says, "Hang on, there's five towers within range of me. I'll just form a mesh to all five towers using a backhaul type wireless signaling protocol." Then you don't need the fixed wireless backhaul to do small cells. And and another factor that's been happening is the concept of uh, uh, cloud ran. But if you if people think about cloud ran as a macro base issue, but but think about this: you could have a separating of the baseband, the, mm. the actual digital processing part, mm. you pull that together. Let's just say a, a, a large building. Yeah. You could potentially have the baseband pulling all in the basement where you have power, you have likely to have fiber, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and you have space. It's not a premium. You put it there and then you start running uh, the, the tiny remote radio heads out mm. in the different uh, offices and floors. Mm. Uh, so that's a small cell that's like in a, essence. That's a small cell mobile broadband type setup. Yeah, mm. and and um, and there are some uh, examples of that out there. I think uh, I know Huawei has something like that called Lamsight. I think uh, Ericsson has something similar. So there is the, the the small cell form factor by itself is morphing to address the lack of fiber backhaul, lack of uh, power, lack of space. Mm. So I think in the future in, in, in 5G, you will see different varieties of infrastructure ranging from a cloud rent of a macro large scale coverage, mm-hmm. uh, even with a traditional macro basis where there's already a site, already have all the provisions to make it available. And then you have different form factors of uh, small cell, whether it's a re- simply remote radio head, tu- mm-hmm. a very uh, tunable antennas, or the 60 gigahertz mesh. It, I, it's not going to be one well, size think, fits all. Uh, no, it isn't going to. But the other thing too is that in the past, the complexity of this would have killed us. Mm-hmm. People would have been, and now we've got this software. We're talking about software-defined networking. Right. We're talking about network functions virtualization. So instead of buying custom hardware to run the control signals, um, you've got this software-defined stuff that's controlling, and you're going to have VMs running the 5G signaling, you know, the, the path selection and the billing and the accounting. I think it's – I do feel that that – because that's been accepted around the industry, it's not mature and it's not necessarily everything we thought it would be by now. But, you know, getting that, is that going to change the way 5G works? Is that driving the standards in a direction saying, you know, we've just got software. There's things we can just do in software. We don't need to go through the complexity. No, absolutely. If you look at the NGMN white paper, Mm. the white paper driven by the uh, operators, Mm. it actually says uh, there's a 5G requirements white paper, pretty extensive. One of the, either the first or second chapter says it runs on SDA and NIV and it mm. goes all the way, to, all the way down yeah. the radio network. Mm. So when we start a journey, uh, SDA and NIV in 4G, uh, and there's some reluctance of it because, you know, I understand, right? Because you have infrastructure on the ground, yeah. people don't go rip and replace. But with 5G coming, with people expecting a lot more equipment being rolled out, being built. Um, so the operator are put their foot down and say, this needs to be virtualized. So in the um, IDF 
demo. Mm. Today, we actually have one of our OEM partners with a server. It's, it's a really an off-the-shelf server. Yep. We have software that runs everything yep. on it with uh, just FPGA. Like an open stack or something like that. Yeah, and you orchestration. Just yeah. See, I think that... So when there's a cynical part of me that says these standards will never get finished and the carriers will, you know, fool around and make mistakes and start arguing with each other about the colour of the white paper. You know, <laughs> you know or logos or, you know, this logo, you know, I can just imagine, you know, all the carriers in the room and then suddenly somebody goes, this logo doesn't speak to me. We have to stop until we've got a logo. You know? <laughs> because, but this time around, I think we're seeing... Um, you know, the software defined, the idea of doing, you know, the, so the control software will actually be thought of from day one, not fitted in later on. Like 3G, you had to go and buy these custom pieces of hardware from yeah. Nokia or Ericsson. And every one of them had a special image that only was available from Ericsson and each one operated completely differently. And, you know, Cisco Starrant operated very differently from everybody else's 3G. I think, you know, once we have, you know, an open stack with the VMs and then you just start putting your you know, 5G functions in as VMs. I think it, that opens the way for early progress and for standards to be accepted, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we, we actually, we've, we've seen that. We've yeah. already seen that happening. The fact that 5G can do some trials and the equipment's on the ground for early trials, mm. so far ahead of the standards. standard is a proof point itself that this, the STN NFV made a difference. In, mm. the old, in the 3G, 4G day, that would not have been possible. Yeah. Because people, they, there's simply not that kind of a, a compute equipment to enable you to this early of a, of a trial. Winter Olympics is 2018, uh, January. So mm. literally, it's, it's end of 2017. Yeah. The Korean operators talking about there will be a trial, mm -hmm. a large-scale trial in 2017 in preparation for that. In the old days... No one, no one will even do that. Yeah, that's right. You the had cost is way too high. But Who's no. going to pay for that? But then, the yeah. I mean, our 5G standards are being ratified by the ITU and they're infamous for taking decades to finish a standard. No one's, uh, people just not waiting for it. You, yeah. you, we heard it today from, uh, from uh, um, GE. They, yeah. they could use it. It's just, you know, it's, just, it's funny, right? When you, people don't think about the fact that the application and services that's available are not waiting for the network's infrastructure to meet the requirement. Pokemon Go comes out no matter what you're running on the bottom, okay? Mm -hmm. You're running 2G, well, you're lost. Yep. They're going to roll it out. Yes. Uh, I've, you know, I grew up in, in, in Hong Kong. I was seeing my friends posting Facebook. The day it, it put, came out in Hong Kong, they, they took a shot of Chim Sao Tre, which is all, one of the most dense areas. Mm. All you see was people's head and looking down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you. Mm. I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about fully grown men in suits. <laughs> in other words, the demand that is going to be placed on the network is going to drive this ahead. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to build it? Well, but okay. the carriers can only make more money um, if they have more devices, really. The current pricing models are based on more devices means more revenue. They can only connect more devices if something fixes what's wrong with 4G and 3G, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, we've got density problems. You know, uh, yesterday we were at the builders' conference. We have five billion. We are expecting to see five billion people with ten billion devices by 2020, but they're talking about 50 billion machine-driven devices. So machine-to-machine -machine nodes. You're not. So that is like a 
like a 500% increase in endpoints. It's not bound by the population. No. Right, exactly. And in fact, you know, the more device, you can charge a lot if you can ship. The thing about 5G is it's also being driven by big companies. Yeah. So, you know, GE's on stage saying we want it. Yeah. Because they want to ship a billion. And BMW, the autonomous driving car that came through the stage. Yeah. That thing. We're not talking about shipping a handful of routers or switches or, you know, even Apple with a billion iPhones in, they just announced their billion iPhones since they started. You know, GE's talking about shipping a billion devices in one product line. I know. You know, on trains. Like going to the the joke, 500 sensors on a train. Yeah. So, Carol, are there any action items for the enterprise today? I mean, some enterprises are looking for 5G. They've got the use cases like we were just talking about. Mm. What about the average enterprise? Is there anything that we should be doing uh, with our infrastructures or thinking ahead to prepare us for 5G that's coming in a few years? I would would say is uh, definitely start thinking about where are the deficiencies in your business model. If you still tie down to the Ethernet cable coming to your building, hmm. you still tie down to... Uh, Fibre d- d- being trenched in the ground yeah. and yeah. DWDMs being installed in the bottom of your building. And- I will start talk, uh, reading, talking, maybe getting t- together with consultants. And uh, uh, I, I know that in the this year, uh, we've been talking a lot with the operator. Hmm. Starting Q4, I actually have a whole schedule full of people uh, enterprise discussions. Mm. Nothing like when you're going to try. It's more like sit down, look at the different uh, technologies that's available, and mostly for me to listen to what their problem statements are and to see how we can alter. Because it's still early in the game in 5G. Yeah. We could change mm. and alter our behavior and requirements and deliverables, I should yeah. say. It's not to too late to steer the ship a little more In fact, that's, that's the call to action. We had a recent discussion with our sales team. So Intel, it's probably not surprised to have a very large enterprise sales team, uh, more, uh, much bigger than our operator sales, uh, wireless operator sales team. Hmm. So one of the call to action I have for the, for the team is, please find the enterprises and understand their problem statement mm. for the wireless and, and, and don't limit yourself to mm. the phone calls and browsing but expand that look at their business needs yeah. well I was thinking the thing that strikes me about 5G that I'm much, most excited about is the combination of software defined WAN in the enterprise where we use instead of using routers connected to le- you know physical circuits we can now have software defined WAN appliances connected to three different carriers mm-hmm. and choosing the best path so maybe Verizon's working good this week and you send your data over Verizon's 5G but maybe next week it's AT&T or maybe Sprint turns up on your doorstep and offers you a good deal for the next six months and so you switch all your data over onto the Sprint 5G that changes the way you think about your network. It's not a five-year or a ten-year investment that can never be changed. Suddenly, it becomes a flexible tool. Ramp the bandwidth up, ramp the bandwidth down, change your supplier on a few minutes' notice. That's a you know a decade-long provision, perhaps, but that's the sort of thing we're talking about. I think that's one think? aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the other aspect for me is retail environment, maybe how to use an augmented uh, reality and virtual reality help. Uh, we've been talking about digital media as a service. Mm. Um, just think about if you are a frequent diner, uh, frequent gambler, <laughs> there I say, frequent <laughs> shopper, you tend to, you tend to opt in into a retailer's uh, a special condition. So I, you know, I, I know I have several apps in my phone 
that for the uh, the, the shop uh, the retail stores I frequent. So what if uh, remember if I carry my device, you know who I am, right? The AT T knows exactly who I am, and they know my a lot of information that I probably don't really want them to know, but they know, mm. right? Mm. So what if we change that into here's Caroline walking into Costco? Uh, you could change the uh, the uh, environment for me. You can guide me to where I normally would go shop. You can tell me what the, the new uh, and latest uh, merchandise become available mm. instead of me having to walk all over to find it. Yeah. Uh, what if I'm in a very large entertainment complex? You yeah, could guide me. I mean, me. I think of those, but those apps, they're not going to drive my network in any particular direction. More bandwidth enables those things. Whether it was wireless or wired doesn't really matter. Um, I do believe that virtual reality and augmented reality or mixed reality, or, mm -hmm. you know, however you want to call it, is going to impact on, you know, retail experiences or Yeah, especially augmented reality because it needs a mo mobility. It moves. Virtual reality doesn't move. But in, in, in retail, moves. It'll, it'll factor in when you start tying in inventories. Yeah. And yeah. as IoT... To the retail experience where yeah. you're trying to drive sales yeah. depending on what you've I got think in to stock. me it's I think 5G is about the machine to machine stuff so and the thing that strikes me about it is that we're talking about a new type of networking that's extra so we already know that SDN is changing the way our fixed line or fixed wireless and our WANs look mm -hmm. but what we're forgetting is that in five years' time, we're going to have these huge machine networks under our control. And as networking professionals, we're either going to be looking after those. Mm -hmm. So in the factory, for example, you might start to see that if you've got a company that manages factory, and as a networking professional, the only thing you currently look after is the campus LAN and the data center that manages mm -hmm. the ops part, you know, mm -hmm. the, the accounting and the, you know, the purchasing and, the, and that sort of stuff and the, the general office network. But I think in 10 years, 5 to 10 years, you're actually going to have a factory network and it's going to be part of the networking professional's responsibility. And as um, they talked about in the keynote today, your data center, you're going to build a data center in the factory. You're not going to export the factory data to the cloud because Correct. you're going to have so much data, it's going to be impossible to do so. And some of them might be private. Well, and I think that's something that we'll get over. Some companies will and some companies won't. But you're going to need to have much tighter feedback loops. You can't True. wait for the data to go off to the cloud, yeah. be processed, analyzed, machine learned. You want to process instantly. You want to process it instantly. Like security, like facial recognition. Like I worked in a Coca-Cola factory. They... They fill 60 cans a second in the Coca-Cola oh, factory, wow. right? Mm. Big machine. I mean, I've heard of much bigger Coca-Cola factories. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you've got a two-second processing latency in the cloud, too late. it's too late. That machine's already jammed up, mm -hmm. and it's going to take two days to clear it. Yeah. Literally, in a second, it takes 20 seconds for a person to hit the button to freeze the line. So now you've got 1,800 cans of half-filled Coke sitting in a pile in this machine that's all gummed up that has to be ripped out. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you can't, right? So you need to have the sensors to detect vibration in the machine, something's out of balance or, you know, those types of things. So I'm not sure that, what, what I'm trying to say here is there are things happening in industries, there's more computing coming. That doesn't mean that there'll be less networking in the future. There's also going to be other things that create new types of networking or new types of computing that we haven't thought of yet. And 5G is part of that. That, that's a big part of it, Greg. So mm. our crowd is so used to the Ethernet and the IP paradigm, and mm. what we're really talking about here is the, the specific use cases that drive specific kinds of networking, mm. different kinds of signaling. Yep. That may still be IP, but the underlying mm. transport is going to be something that more and more mm. uh, everyone has to be familiar with as opposed to, oh, that's something that service providers do. It's something that everybody may be responsible yeah. for eventually. 
Yeah, we're going to be less concerned with layer one and layer two, much more with three, four, five, you know, application performance, analytics, visibility, where's my data? Because my network is going to be 50 times larger than it is today. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a chicken egg problem. Like applications relying on the underlying transport to give them the best user experience, enable them. Mm. And then once you build the pipe and then you hope that the application service will come and consume it, therefore somebody actually makes some money off it. Uh, it it's, it's a virtuous cycle. And... The, uh, I always look at Pokemon Go. I'm thinking, well, that is one game that's not relying, not waiting for anything to make it available. It just, it just did. And because it's so but successful, it's not just Pokemon more, Go. more going to come. We're seeing, like in the UK, we have unlimited data on your phone. We now have people watching Netflix on 3G and 4G. Is that right? Yeah. And the, how's the user experience? It's fine. Works for me. Wow. Yeah. I was at a hotel and I had no Wi-Fi, so I just you fired it up. I have unlimited data in my plan and just... Yeah, you don't care. Don't yeah, care. You right? have it. You, so you yeah. can watch Netflix on your on your iPad. I yeah. was watching it on my iPad, not my iPhone, because I'm old and my eyes are tired. But you know, same point is is that why shouldn't I? Why do I have to limit my experience to being, you know, in some Wi-Fi that's got a, basically a short haul to a wide connection? That doesn't make sense. Anymore. That's it, right? Because because you you see people go, going, they don't cons like when you're roaming in a foreign country, you don't consume, and then you wait for the Wi-Fi to mm. come. But mm. if the data plan, if the pricing structure changes, yep. meaning the operator can't afford to give it to you. Nobody will care. I right now because my phone's paid for by Intel. I use it everywhere. I'm like, oh yeah, why do I bother to go to Wi-Fi? I'm just gonna use it because because my LT connection is always there. Okay, it is. no matter where you go. And that's what we want. That's what we want. We want our, our connections to be everywhere, and seamless, there shouldn't be seamless. These uh, you know, fifty year old models of uh, yeah, you don't have international to think about dialing. It. Yeah. fundamentally, this roaming it goes back to the days of international dialing. You know, and when you rang across the world, it should. But on the internet, it doesn't care how doesn't, far away. Exactly, anyway, exactly. Right. Well, I think we might just about have hit all the topics. Ethan, what do you think? Ah, so <laughs> I came into this ignorant and yes. I come out much smarter. So, Sorry, you came out what? Much smarter. Really? Um, You're smarter now? Or just, I, it, I did. You know, like, um, or is he just more educated? Maybe more educated. <laughs> You're so pedantic. It's kind of, okay, listeners, I will pummel him after the end of the show. Okay, so here's the thing that, that really... Uh, lit up my brain. Hmm. 5G and the different spectrums are targeting at specific use cases, and those use cases seem real to me now, whereas yep. two, three, five years ago they didn't. IoT was just something someone seemed to be trying to drum up interest in because, hmm. you know, who knows, maybe it'll be a thing. It actually feels like it's real now hmm. to me. Now, we've talked about a lot of industrial and business-specific use cases for IoT, but there's the residential market we haven't much talked about that is becoming more and more yep. real now, some of the sensors we saw on the stage today at the keynote here at Intel IDF brought home the fact that, man, these things have a lot of power in a very small package. And if you get the pricing right, the residential applications are enormous. Yes. And so the whole smart home thing and retrofitting your existing yep. home with smart home is going to drive IoT as well. It's smart cities, like the demo we saw on RDF keynote well, about well, the well, smart sure. light fittings. I'm just highlighting the bit that yeah. I felt was kind yeah, of yeah, left yeah, out yeah. because, you know, it's not the initial market. It's going to be another one of those things that contributes an enormous number of devices to the mm -hmm. network. How are we going to connect them? If you know, and five G represents a whole lot of interesting ways to get that done. Hmm. And so my head's gone. This is real, actually. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not today, but it is coming soon. Where this is something we're actually going to see in wide adoption eventually. Carolyn, any closing thoughts? Um, my thoughts will be encouraging all our network engineers to really think about, learn about five G, and actually, this is like I said, this is not too late. If you think there's a business needs for 5G that needs to be addressed, bring it up, be vocal about it. 
uh, in www.intel.com/slash5g. There's white papers, right? And then also reach out to your Intel sales team and get in touch with us, and let's have a chat. Yeah. All right. So what excites me is um, it's about this machine-to-machine stuff, and the machine-to-machine is ten times the size of what we've been doing now. So we've been talking about person-to-server or personal computing. I think that means to me is that those of you who are looking at still being in the career for 20 to 30 years, you need to start thinking about how your career is going to change from being personal computing to machine computing because that's the new generation of networking. And I think that was the realisation I came to early on and why I specifically asked to talk about 5G on this podcast that was sponsored by Intel today. So thanks very much for joining us. And as always, you can find out more about the show by heading over to our blog where we'll have some more links and content on the show notes. Uh, You can leave feedback there and ask questions. And if you need to, we can forward them on to Intel on your behalf. You can follow us on Facebook, on the Twitters and on LinkedIn. You can find us in conferences in all around town. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. And as always, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>